I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind, made possible in part by Marie Sharp's Hot Sauce, hand-harvested, sustainably farmed, whole fruit and vegetables, certified, pesticide-free, and used within hours of picking, and by listeners like you. You can support our series on Patreon at patreon.com slash theopenmind. I'm delighted to welcome Kayuchi CEO, to our broadcast today, Eileen Makis. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Eileen, can you tell us about how you came to Kayuchi? Sure. Uh, so I started my career in the textile industry. I did fabric development uh, for Patagonia, for the North Face, uh, focused on technical fabrics and uh, and performance-related fabrics. I then moved over to the home industry. I worked for Williams-Sonoma and specifically the Pottery Barn Kids and then subsequently PB Teen Brands, uh, where I really enjoyed kind of learning about business development, branding, uh, but also worked on product at those companies. And when I moved to Koyuchi, uh, I initially came into the business as VP of product and was really drawn to the commitment to organic fiber used in their textiles, um, the, the quality and the beauty of those textiles that was essentially um, tied to how they were manufactured. And uh, it was an opportunity to both be part of that that shift in where the industry needed to go from an environmental standpoint. Um, But also uh, the company was in the midst of kind of redefining what the business was going to look like with an emphasis on direct to customer. Uh, They had traditionally been a wholesale business. We still have that wholesale business. Um, But I see the value in uh, being able to work directly with the customer, especially when you're talking about um, how you want to work differently and um, bring a product to market that uh, has some values behind it, that um, there's a way to message that directly to the consumer that um, I was excited about. And can you tell us about the Koyuchi difference in terms of the distinctiveness of this textile approach? What Koyuchi has been committed to um, since the company was founded, which was 30 years ago, is organic, organically grown fiber. Uh, and what's really transformed over, over the history of the organization is a commitment to you know, soil health and uh, the environmental impact of the textile industry. And so how that makes Koyuchi's product different is that um, we are only using organic fiber. Uh, we then have adopted organic processing methods um, similar to, you know, if you have organically grown wheat and you turn that into bread, um, there's a protocol for how you're allowed to call that organic. Uh, the same thing exists in textiles, and that's the global organic textile standard. And it's looking at the impact of the dye stuffs and any of the auxiliary finishing agents that are required to, you know, weave a fabric and, and turn it into uh, finished goods that um, you want to you wanna see, touch, and feel. And that's really where I think we've established a, a difference in how our product looks and feels based on those organic methods that really accentuate uh, the benefits of natural fibers. Um, with my kind of performance textile background, 
and the fabric development side, you know, I really, I really am interested in how, how is this going to perform? Now it may only be for sleeping. It's, it's no longer, you know, somebody climbing Everest, but there's still a level of comfort and uh, that's tied to the breathability of the fiber. Um, cotton and linen are great for that. And so the organic processing actually accentuates the properties of a natural fiber versus a lot of home products that are out there. It's all about a look. And the look is really important. We want to live in beautiful spaces. Uh, and adding that element of it's going to feel great and it's going to work for what what I needed to do in my home as well. When you identify growers and sources for your product, is there a environmental standard? Um, you must have a more sophisticated uh, consolidation of your footprint than just uh, you know. What is, what is the ultimate carbon footprint? But when you're looking and doing a kind of detailed inspection of environmental impact, what are the criteria you're analyzing? Uh, so that is, has shifted over the years. Uh, so the com- commitment to organic has meant that we relied on uh, the USDA National Organic Program for the growing standard. And then the GOT standard for uh, the processing of the finished textile product. Uh, That's shifting now. um, And it's still tied to the mission of uh, the original founder of Koyuchi, which is around soil health and the health of um, the land that we need to protect to be able to grow our food, um, grow our fiber um, and have a healthy future. And so, you know, that's created a shift for us in terms of looking at, um, you know, what is what are the other things that we can factor into what we're doing? So it's soil health, uh, lots of interest on our end. We've made a commitment to regenerative agriculture in the future because that's about the health of the soil. And that includes biodiversity, water retention, uh, there's different practices and how agriculture uh, incorporates the health of the soil that's very different from the conventional farming that we see today. And it's an extension of um, kind of starting in organic and then moving to regenerative. Uh, and then I, I think the other thing that I would say about um, other areas that we look at is in um, in finishing our textiles, preference for vendors and dyeing and finishing mills that are able to recycle their water. Um, How are we making sure that we're um, caring for the planet in the way that we make our product? So water, energy use, um, those are all things that we continue to look at. Uh, And then the mechanisms for being able to capture that impact are kind of the the next level that um, we're working on in terms of being able to understand our own carbon footprint and uh, looking for ways to improve that in the future. In terms of agriculture policy and the impact of the pandemic on the considerations you're making, you and your team, what what does that consist of? both in the short and long term? Uh, From an agriculture standpoint, 
the pandemic has not had a significant impact on uh, kind of our ability to to get the cotton. Uh, it's had much more impact on what's happening in the vendors' facilities themselves. Um, just like uh, you know, Koyuchi's office having to figure out how to. Uh, for us, it's working remotely, um, but in a manufacturing environment, it was uh, initially managing through shutdowns uh, and then working with vendors on, you know, kind of revised deliveries so that they could keep their workers safe while still running their operations. Uh, and, uh, you know, at the farm level, um, we have kept in contact. It is made uh, certainly their roles more challenging as well. And, uh what we have used the opportunity, though, is to continue to engage with uh, our partners at the farm level, as well as with vendors and all the way through that supply chain. Um, the goal being that we really need to understand what's happening um, in each of our businesses to be able to all kind of move through this pandemic together and in a way that is beneficial to everyone's future business. Um, right now, I would say the bigger challenge is on the inbound transit where, uh, you know, in, in California and the entire West Coast, the ports are backed up uh, with imports really surging into the U.S. It's been particularly problematic kind of bringing, um, bringing goods into the U.S. because there just isn't enough equipment to move the product um, through the system and, and into RDC as well as a lot of other material providers. Um, when it comes to policy, which I think was the other part of your question, uh, we're really looking at where are there opportunities for policy to influence uh, agriculture? And, and that's more tied to the U.S. Um, than some of the overseas relationships that we have. Um, we use a, a product called um, Climate Beneficial Wool, and it's in a number of our bedding products. And that is the result of some interesting policy changes that uh, I'd like to see uh, both the, the Biden administration and the state of California continue to support. Basically, uh, there is a healthy soils program in the state of California. One of our ranchers that is producing the climate beneficial wool was able to access funds from that healthy soils program to change some of their practices on their ranch and ultimately, uh, the sheep that they are raising uh, are the source for our climate beneficial wool. Uh, it is effectively uh, carbon farming. So it's practices that allow increased carbon sequestration based on shifts in grazing, um, other, other changes that they make to the property um, that are all with the intent of in improving soil health. And the Biden administration is now talking about uh, basically $30 billion worth of funding towards programs that would help farmers in the U.S. Uh, look at ways to sequester carbon in their soil. 
And I, I think that's one of the most significant changes that we could be making in the U.S. to kind of secure our future um, against the, the climate change that we're definitely experiencing. Uh, and, and those are the types of things that we want to see continue to happen and support the farmers that we have access to uh, to take advantage of those programs and then view our role in that in sharing those stories with the consumer and helping them get excited about um, how they can be part of those changes in the future. In terms of other aspects of agriculture policy that you hope there may be deliberation about or discussion of reform, um, is there anything else that has struck you as uh, potentially areas where this new administration can take action? Um, it really is around uh, supporting changes in farming practices. And you know, that's going to take a number of different initiatives to play out. So, um, you know, I mentioned the, the carbon farming side of it, um, but it's everything from education. It's possibilities around um, you know, is it more about a farm subsidy for a given crop versus um, really looking at how do you support farmers in making the investments in changing how they are operating, uh, which sometimes, you know, that's that requires some risk on the farmer's part and um, supporting the farmers to make take those risks and and make changes in in what their practices look like and you know it's it's in some regards uh regenerative farming is capturing um farming practices that existed hundreds of years ago uh, so you know where you're looking at rotating crops um can you add different types of hedgerows um can you mix both grazing animals and uh planted agriculture products that that isn't always how some of our modern farms work and you know regenerative agriculture is really about place-based farming doing what's best on a given plot of land to improve soil health and that's a different approach um, which will take a little more nuance in being able to figure out what the best support is for those farmers and that's that's really the um, the policies that I'd like to see rise to the surface as opposed to um, you know just looking at specific standards I, I, I think there's uh, some opportunity to view agriculture a little bit differently in the future. And in the final analysis, as a last question, Eileen, if we were to look four years from now at progress in this space, both among your peers and you as a, a leader um, in this effort, what do you think would be examples or data testifying to um, the kind of reform within the industry or um, by government that will demonstrate this commitment um, in terms of any kind of sheer data that we could look at? Uh, I think what's going to surface, and this is tied to uh, the sustainable development goals that are part of the Paris Climate Agreement, you know, there are standards around agriculture as well as for the textile industry. And it has to do with um, the shifts in the farming practices. Soil health, it rises to the top. 
And then within the textile industry, uh, looking at uh, the impact of the industry overall, um, a lot of that is tied to waste. So reducing waste, um, reducing emissions, uh, they all will play a role in what the future looks like for uh, both the whether it's agriculture, textile industry, or consumer behavior. And, uh, you know, evaluating the science-based targets, uh, seeing more organizations set those and be able to measure against them. Uh, and all of that needs to have that net effect of reducing emissions as well as carbon drawdown. And that's really what gets us to, um, you know, those those metrics that, are tied to reducing the impact of climate change. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of great organizations working through some of this information. Uh, we work with Textile Exchange, uh, the Organic Trade Association, uh, and now the work that we're doing with Fibershed and Climate Beneficial Wool, all of that is intended to um, be able to capture that impact for the future. Eileen Marcus, CEO of Cayuchi. Thank you so much for your insight today. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.